It's a question we have all asked ourselves at one time or another. What is my purpose in life? And while we all have many gifts and desires that are unique to us as individuals, we were all created for this one purpose, to glorify God our Father. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So in a world focused only on self, we want to shift the paradigm to be purposeful women of God. So join us as we change our focus from me to thee. Hello and welcome to the Purposeful Women of God podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tabitha. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We hope you have been enjoying the guests we've had on the show so far this month. We have really loved hearing all of their stories. And today is no different. We are so excited to introduce today's guest to you. She is a native of Hall County and is the founder of the incredible organization Hope for Hall, Caroline Filchek. So Caroline, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. So I found out about Caroline through my brother. So I was talking to him about the podcast. He has actually been very supportive of the podcast, him and his wife both. So I was talking to him about we were looking for some people to bring on to interview, and a couple days later, he calls me, and he's like, I have the perfect person for you. (laughs) He said, I work with this incredible girl. He said, she's got such a good story, and she runs this organization in Hall County, and I said, give me your number. So gave me your number and here we are. So I'm so excited to have had that connection through him and have the chance to speak with you. Yes, absolutely. Grateful for Ronnie. What a guy. (laughs) Yes. Thankful for my brother, even though I don't tell him that often. Love you, bro. Here's your shout out. (laughs) You have to listen to this episode if you don't listen to any other ones. So Caroline, would you just mind, let's just start by telling our listeners your story and who you are and what you do. Mm -hmm. Yes. So my name is Caroline Filchek. Like you said, I'm from Hall County, from Gainesville, Georgia, born and raised. Um, I, you know, grew up there, lived a very charmed life growing up in Hall County. Um, you know, my, my husband and I, as we think through our story, we think about things seem to come very easy to us from a young age. Um, you know, relationships were easy. Friendships were easy. School was easy. Athletics was pretty easy. Um, and so we kind of coined the phrase where we feel like we grew up living a very charmed life and um, you know went to North Hall we actually met in high school met my husband in high school high school sweethearts and so went on to college uh, got my degree in business management and then I went on to get my MBA and I started working so I work for my family's company we own Clipper Petroleum so we're a petroleum jobber based out of Flowery Branch we own and operate convenience stores and we supply gas to stores throughout the southeast and so that is what I have done the last 15 years and it's been a lot of fun. Well, I know in that he told me like you were named one of the top business women. What, what was all of that? Oh, I don't, through your business. Oh, you I don't, don't even, even know. Keep up no. with that, do you? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I, it's, I don't know. <laughs> like, Come on, you can give yourself some credit. That's it was, pretty cool. I think it was, um, you know, they do stuff like 40 under 40 or yeah, uh, rising star. It was, I don't, I don't know. Something like that. (laughs) Nothing, nothing too important. Trust me. (laughs) Well, that's really, really neat. That's awesome. Well, Caroline, will you tell us a little bit about your family and kind of 
really what brought you here today. Yeah, absolutely. So my husband and I, we have two kids. We have Thomas, who's five, and he is a typically developing child. He's high energy, wild man, Pokemon lover. <laughs> and then uh, we have Hopi, sweet Hopi. And so we have a daughter who's two and a half. She'll actually be three next month, so she's closer to three. And Hope was born with multiple disabilities. Hope was born with a rare genetic syndrome called MLS syndrome. And MLS syndrome, it um, is very rare. I had never heard of it until we had hope. And there's less than 200 kids in the world that have MLS syndrome. And so it has caused her multiple disabilities. So hope is deaf and blind. She has two heart defects and a brain defect. And so you know, we went from living a life very much unfamiliar with the disabled community to um, having a daughter that has multiple disabilities and really being fully immersed in the disabled community and learning about disability, learning about her needs. And I'll tell you, really, the miracle of hope, though, is that, you know, kind of going back to my my pregnancy. And so with Thomas, it was healthy pregnancy besides being sick all the time, um, had him, you know, very healthy baby. And then with hope, you know, genetic testing came back good at 13 weeks, 20 week anatomy scan, everything looked good. And so, you know, kind of checked the box of, Oh, great. Healthy pregnant. Having a healthy baby. Um, and then at 26 weeks, you know, I went in for a routine appointment and her heart rate was low. You know, they did some testing, um, did ultrasound, came back and said, you know, that there was something wrong with her brain. And I remember asking the doctor, is she going to make it? And he said, I don't know. And so really from that point until I delivered at 39 weeks, you know, know. we, yeah, we went mm -hmm. to specialist twice a week. We went to CHOA. We did a fetal MRI. I didn't even know you could do that. We met with a neurosurgeon and, you know, they said up until she was born, they thought it was hydrocephalus, which is, um, you know, fluid on the brain. And so they said, yeah, you'll have her. She'll have a shunt put in, drain the fluid, you know, kind of go on and live your life. And um, I had researched hydrocephalus. I was an expert. I had decided we were going to go to Boston and get this surgery where they would reroute the fluid. You could avoid a shot. You know, I felt like I could do the surgery myself. Wow. And so when she was born, um, it was a very different story. And, you know, she was immediately taken to NICU and I didn't see her for a few hours. And whenever I got down there, you know, I learned that um, she did not have hydrocephalus, although she was missing part of her brain. She didn't have hydrocephalus. Uh, we knew something was wrong with her heart. She had a heart condition. We didn't know what at the time. And I remember holding her and she wouldn't open her left eye at the time. And um, finally, she opened it, and I remember it looked really milky. And I said to the nurse, hey, she just opened her eye a little bit, and it looks really milky. I'm kind of wondering if she's blind. And the nurse said, oh, well, let me get a flashlight and check. So she shined the flashlight on her, and hope flinched. She reacted. And the nurse said, oh, no, she reacted. See, she's not blind. You know, and now what I know about blindness is, you know, 90% of people that are blind are still light sensitive. And so um, not a great marker, but, yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, we, we did learn, you know, she was blind in the left eye. She has um, functional vision in the right, but she had iris coloboma. And so I started putting the pieces together in the NICU. I was like, okay, this brain thing is typically a genetic marker. This microthalmia, this iris coloboma, the eye stuff, this is genetic markers. And I started researching syndromes and I thought this is something genetic. This is a syndrome. Um, and I didn't know much about that. I had heard of Down syndrome at the mm -hmm. time, but I didn't really know about many other syndromes out there. And so um, I was convinced she had charge syndrome. 
and her hearing test was later that day and children with charge syndrome are typically deaf too. So I said to Ben, I think she's going to fail her hearing test. I think she's also deaf. And so sure enough, they came in, did her hearing test and, um, you know, she scored a 10 in one ear and a 20 in the other. And I said, well, what does that mean? What do the numbers mean? And the doctor said to hear ambient sound, you had to score a 170. And so I was like, so she's profoundly deaf. So, you know, she has something wrong with her brain and her heart and she's deaf and she's blind. And I just remember thinking, what am I going to do with this child? How can I make her feel loved and worthy and like she belongs in this world when she's missing some big senses. Right. I couldn't imagine getting all of that information. Yeah. Within how, time. what yeah. time frame was it? Like a 24 hour? The, yes. Time within, frame really? Yeah. We were in the NICU yeah. for a week. So, you know, within a week. Just couldn't imagine processing. Oh yeah. All of that. Oh yeah. And how you and your husband had to feel. It was a lot. I mean, you know, you're so hormonal after you anyways, have a baby. Yeah. I mean, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're trying, she was on NG tube. She was having trouble eating, you know, and it was, it was a very different experience than the with my first um but going back to her syndrome you know it took about six months to get the testing back to find out what did she have um and that was important to me because I wanted to know was her syndrome lethal lethal um was it progressive was it lethal you know a lot of research I had done a lot of these syndromes you know resulted in children dying young um because they are progressive and so I was very anxious about finding this out and um, I remember getting the call from the genetic doctor and he said she has MLS syndrome and the first thing I said was is it lethal and he said no Um, he said as long as you treat the symptoms she can live with it and he said and what we then learned was really the miracle is that MLS is lethal in males so if she had been born a male she would have died shortly after birth but because God gave us a girl and gave us hope you know we get to have her here and we get to love her and, and raise her and Um, And that was a big moment for me. I know where I feel like things shifted and I thought I've been given this gift and what can I learn from her and what can I do to help um, kids like her? So with all of that transpiring, I know that there's, you know, it goes on of everything that you guys had to learn more than just that week, you know, that your whole life changed at this moment how at that moment for you and your husband, not only did it affect your family, but your faith? Yeah. Um, I think anytime you go through something hard and unexpected and tragic, I feel like you have a wrestling period mm-hmm. with God, okay. you know, why? Why? why, you know, and, and just understanding, uh, yeah, why, you know, your world is upside down. And so, um, yeah, I wrestled for about six months to a year you know, really trying to understand what was going on um, and how to keep this kid alive and do all the things to Mm -hmm. help her thrive. And so um, definitely being three years out, I see it much differently. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that first year was definitely a time of wrestling. Um, and, And now I see where our faith has grown. I think like in dark times, that's when you see a lot of growth and you see, um, you see God and you seek him. Um, And so I know there was a lot of seeking, a lot of searching, a lot of growth that year and, um, you know, wouldn't have survived (laughs) without his faithfulness. Really, really. That's good. That's, 
they always say it's when your faith is put to the test when you're in the valleys. Yeah. So we know that because of hope and because of her situation, you found purpose yeah. in, in all of that. To so discuss yeah. what that purpose was, what you found, and what yeah. you are now, you know, striving for in your community. Yeah, absolutely. The disabled community, um, it, it's a community that I've always had empathy for and um Throughout my life, I can think back of times. My family's always been very empathetic to the disabled community. And we've always been involved in different charities um, within the disabled community. But I, I've seen the world differently now and, and a lot of purpose. And so one thing that we have done through Hope's Life and that we have seen through her disability are some needs within our community. And so one thing that we recently launched is, is a new foundation. And so... Um, when Hope was six months old, we went to the neurologist and that day the neurologist said, I don't think that Hope will walk and I don't think she will communicate verbally. And so one thing I've always done is run and I enjoy running. It's I tell the girls I'm slow and I don't go far, <laughs> but I go run. <laughs> but I enjoy it. Yeah. And so I went over to Walk a Mountain Track where I've run for 20 years and where my son is in kindergarten now. And that day as I was running around the track, I was looking at the playground and I was thinking, um, if my child can't walk and if she can't talk and I know she has trouble seeing and hearing, how is she going to play on this playground with her typically developing brother? And it came to, I came to the conclusion that she's not. And while the playground meets the ADA minimum requirements for accessibility, it's not inclusive where it allows children with disabilities to fully immerse in the play experience. And so, you know, I started talking to parents in the school system um, that had kids with disabilities in the schools and asking them questions of, you know, what do your kids do during recess? And so I learned um, their kids were either being taken out to the playground during recess and they were sitting on the sidelines and watching their peers play or they were electing to stay in the classroom because there was nothing for them to do on the playground. And so um, that did not sit well with me or my husband or, you know, really anyone that we ended up talking to. Right. <laughs> and so we launched Hope for Hall. We, um, we founded a nonprofit. We're a 501c3. And we started fundraising and building inclusive playgrounds with our first inclusive playground underway right now at Walk a Mountain to be finished in probably the next four to six weeks here. That is so exciting. Yeah. I've yeah. been seeing, you know, your, your <laughs> posts. I was looking at them this morning and I'm like, yay, they're digging in the dirt. We're breaking ground. Right? Uh, that is so neat. And yeah. that's your community too, Tabitha. So I know y'all have is. a lot yes. Yeah, we're yes. very excited to see it come into to our neighborhood and our areas. So we're thankful for that. Yes. Um, just seeing all that you have done to push for this and mm -hmm. knowing that you were met with some opposition too, even yeah. in the middle of that. Can you share some about that? Yeah. Um, you know, there were definitely some hurdles <laughs> that we had to get through um, to get the playground, you know, approved and funded fundraising was huge. This playground was $800,000. And so, you know, we uh, had to go fundraise and within 12 weeks we had $800,000. And, I, but it goes back to, I mean, the Lord provides yeah. and just how these are his children too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that they may very much have been, uh, forgotten or, um, sometimes thought as of less than mm -hmm. and not worthy of play. And that's wrong. And that right. is not, um, 
you know, I think what he would like. And so we're glad we were able to go out and fundraise and that he provided and that um, these children now have a playground. And so the opposition back to kind of one thing I've thought of as opposition is um, I think a lot of opposition has been because of like the mindset of society and how, um, you know, the disabled community, it is one of the most marginalized groups. Right. Um, and I think a lot of it is just because of the mindset. Um, and so I think that society has to shift from viewing the disabled community as what they are, which is valuable, which yes. is integral members of society, which is um, beloved mm-hmm. and worthy. Yeah. Well, and I think you know, especially as a parent of typical children who are, you know, sometimes we misunderstand and we don't understand when we see someone who looks or acts Mm -hmm. differently than us. But, you know, God's word gives us instruction on to care for those. Yes. And so I, I see you and I know that this is your daughter, but you're speaking up for those that cannot speak up for themselves and you're fighting for that. And God's word gives us instruction, you know, to do that. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I definitely, you know, feel like this is a calling. Ephesians 4, one, for example, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've been received. And, you know, my husband and I really feel like for our family, this is a calling is um, fighting for justice for the disabled community and trying to provide equity and allowing them to enjoy and experience the world the same way that we do. Yeah. Yeah, and you're talking about, you know, Scripture. There's so many times you can go back in Scripture where the Bible talks about caring for our neighbors Mm -hmm. and charity and love. And, you know, we look at the book of Proverbs. It gives us Mm -hmm. a lot of wisdom in how we should live as Christians. And just to read a couple verses, Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 tells us, Open thy mouth for the mute. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause for the poor and needy. So when we see someone in need, we're supposed to speak up and mm-hmm. defend them. Yeah. You know, I think about John chapter nine, and I was reading this story and Ashley and I were talking mm-hmm. about this, that Jesus himself passed by and he saw a man who was mm-hmm. blind from birth and his own disciples even asked, master, who, who sent? Was it him or was it his parents? And Jesus said, neither one of them did. Neither Mm -hmm. of them did. He didn't. His parents didn't. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And that word manifest just means that this happens so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Mm -hmm. And so just hearing your story and what you are doing right now is evident of God being displayed in your family's Mm -hmm. life. And he's using hope to do that. Absolutely. And so that's just really awesome to think about. One thing I like about John 9, I've read that a lot since Hope Was Born, is the very beginning, Jesus noticed. Yes. You know, I think a lot of times the disabled community is very overlooked. Mm -hmm. And to me, that first part stands out so much. Jesus noticed. These are his people and he notices and we should notice them as well. And we should, we should do what's right. So, you know, my husband is a pastor We're at a smaller church. Um, We don't always have the facilities, the finances maybe. And I just think about how many people may be listening that thinks, man, I want to help. I want to do something. I want our churches to Mm. be displaying the kindness and reaching out to communities with disabled family members. What can we do? And where would you suggest that maybe a church or even just 
people in the community, where can we start? Yeah, I think um, when, you know, at our church, we even made a small change recently, but I think the biggest thing is creating an environment and a space where um, the disabled community feel like they belong. And whenever I talk about the disabled community, I'm not talking about a small group of people. You know, the disabled community makes up 20% of the population and they are the largest minority group in the world. And they're the only minority group you can join at any time because we're all only temporarily able-bodied, yeah, you know, that's true. Yeah, we, that's a good point to make. Yeah. I mean, we're all subject to an accident or, right. or a sickness or something mm -hmm. that could leave any of us disabled and mm -hmm. so none of us are exempt from this community right. um and so you know creating a space where the disabled community can fully access your church you know even some churches you go into uh, maybe there's a ramp going in but maybe up at the offering there's some steps going up for communion or something you know do you have a ramp up there is that accessible um the nursery i know some parents i've heard from that have children with disabilities they're nervous about is the nursery equipped to care for their children? And so, um, you know, I think small changes that don't cost anything, you know, adding additional help in the nursery. So if you have someone that wants to leave their child with right. a disability so they can go and be fed in the service, you know, making sure that's set up. Um, communion, if you don't have a way for, you know, people that use a mobility aid or that have a disability to go up front to receive communion, then make sure that they're being served by elders or the pastor bringing it back and serving them and making sure that they know they're seen, they're worthy, and that they belong in church and, and that, that we want them in church. You know, the disabled community is one of the largest just unchurched minority groups in the world. And I think largely it's because um, our structures and buildings are still not fully accessible for them to really feel like they belong. That makes sense. Yeah. So what would you say to take my, my younger kids, for instance, mm -hmm. if they saw hope yeah. in, you know, just out and about yeah. or whatever, and because maybe she looks a little bit differently yeah. than them and they might stare and they yeah. might look. What would you say to those parents on how to handle situations like that? Yeah. yeah. Because we just don't know sometimes. Absolutely. Um, I think it's always good to talk about it and encourage your kids to ask you questions and, and create an environment with your children where they feel like you're safe to ask yeah. uncertain questions to. Um, you know, I know whenever we're out, say Thomas sees somebody um, and and he'll he'll just go right up and you know say hi but it's been disability has been very normalized for him and so right. one thing we've done to normalize disability within our home for him is to read children's books and read uh, books that champion and feature children with disabilities and so there's the able fable series there's when charlie met emma um you know there's so many books out there i probably have 70 at my house mm -hmm. that you know you pull from and so as you're reading to your typical children you know and they see someone in a wheelchair or they see someone with a hearing aid or someone that's blind it becomes very normal to them so then when you are out with your children um it doesn't seem so abnormal right. because they've seen these kids in these books they've read that's about good. them um it's been normalized but definitely i think um have a conversation you know right. and and talk to your kids for sure and say yeah. hey that's hope. Um, and if they ask, say, yeah, she, she was born blind. And so she has trouble seeing, she has trouble hearing, but what do y'all have in common? Oh, she likes Pokemon. Oh, you like Pokemon too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Y'all have Pokemon in common. So I, I think that. finding yeah, common, common ground. Yeah. yeah. That's 
huge. That's really good. Yeah. I like that. And the idea of the books, we're definitely going to get some of those from you. I'd love to link them for yes. our listeners. Yeah. That's a really great yeah. idea. Right. So we always end every episode, you know, talking about what's the purpose. So yeah. while we know that this journey you and your family are on is not always easy, but can you see the purpose? Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so much purpose. Um, you can see it three years out. It's, and I know you had, because we had talked before, and I know you had mentioned how disability was a part of your your family and your, yeah. you know, your organization sponsored a lot of charities. But I know you had talked about personally. Yes. Oh, yeah. Can you kind of talk about oh, that yeah. and kind of how the yeah. purpose had shown up throughout your whole life yeah. and you just didn't know it? Yes. I can, um, looking back now, I can see how God has threaded together my life from a young age um, where I have always loved and appreciated the disabled community. You know, going back to um, high school, I was the president of the Partners Club. And so we partnered with kids with disabilities in the school. We did Christmas parties. We did events with them um, just in a very inclusive and buddy-like environment. And then going into college, you know, I started off my degree as a special education major. You know, I changed it two years in. But, you know, I always loved the disabled community. Um, and I always felt a calling to them and never really knew how how that, that looked or what my participation was. Um, you know, and then it was funny, you know, we have hope and it's like, all right, you are in it, you know. And yeah. um, my older sister, you know, she even said to me after we had hope, um, she was like, this is your Esther moment. Like, wow, yeah. This is like such a time. As yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were created. She was like, you belong here. Um, and, and I, I'm glad that I, my heart has been open to see the goodness and, um, lean into that. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about hope today. Yeah. She's awesome. I mean, it's funny, like even saying she's deaf or she's blind or she's, you know, this or that because she's doing so well. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's walking, she's talking, she's sassy, um, <laughs> you know, and she's really thriving. She really is. Um, you know, we've, we've done a lot to really help her and, um, but her spirit, she's a fighter, man. She's a tough girl. You get that from her mom, right? <laughs> <laughs> and when this playground gets done, play date with all of yes. us. I, I cannot yes. wait to, to meet Hope and get all of our kids together. Yes. I think it'd be so much fun. But we also end all of our episodes with kind of posing, posing a challenge to our listeners. Mm. So is there a way that you could offer a challenge to our listeners and how they can minister to families with special needs? Yeah. One challenge I would say um, is if you don't see people with disabilities at your school, in your church, in your community, it's not because they're not there. Mm -hmm. It's because they're not seen. And so um, I would say pay attention to that right. yeah. and and see um, where are they and why are they not a part of your church? Why are they not a part of your school and your community and your friend group? Because they're so valuable. The disabled community has so much to offer, so many gifts and I'll leave y'all with, you know, one thing that has stood out to me since I've had hope is Luke 14, you know, the parable of the great banquet and where Jesus is instructing when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. 
And so just, you know, that. him really saying, come as you are, you're yeah. well, you are welcome here. Um, and, and how can we make our disabled friends feel welcome here and that they belong because they're beloved. I love and that. I think that's what sometimes we forget about the gospel of Jesus yeah. is all inclusive. Yes. You know, yes. he invites everyone to come in, the, ch- the children, the poor, yeah. the needy, those that cannot give him payment back. And aren't we really yeah. all in that situation mm-hmm. though? Yeah. We, we all can never, need Jesus. Yes. We can never, never repay him. So Absolutely. just that reminder to come as you are. I love that. Absolutely. I love ending with that. Well, Caroline, it's been so great to have you on with us. Can you just tell everybody if they're listening and they're like, I would love to support her mission and what she's doing. Could you just tell them how they could do that? Yeah. And where to find you on social media? Absolutely. We have an Instagram and a Facebook, um, Hope for Hall. And we have a website, www.hopeforhall.com com and um visit us and we'll have some information about the playground and hopefully y'all can come play yes <laughs> we'd love to start we're gonna start sharing some more of the how that's going and we just we can't wait cannot wait to see it all yeah. put together so thank you so much again for coming on i know this is gonna be such a blessing for our listeners we'll leave all of caroline's information below in the description box as well as posting it on our social media pages remember as always a sincere desire to become purposeful women of god starts with changing focus from me to thee. God bless from our hearts to yours. See ya. Bye.